from one drummer to another, plus Matt. It's Stuart Copeland on the Music Universe podcast. Thanks oh, for including man. me in that, buddy. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I, I had to because you were here along with me. And it was such an absolute blast chatting with him. It was my first time, your second. And uh, it didn't quite start out like we normally intro. So we kind of started no, he chatting. Came on and we just started having a chat, you yeah. know. Great. But the most fun I had on this one was watching you guys just talk your drummer stuff. And I'm over here like, you know. I'm not in the cab of a guitarist, but after hearing you guys just go merciless, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will be camp guitarist lead singer yeah. from now on. Well, you know, just as he and I were chatting, everybody's always making fun of drummers. Like, yeah. we get shit on all the time, and I've never quite understood it. Still don't. And uh, it's finally time that everybody yeah. else in the band got As someone who is who has minimal musical skill, if any, I've never understood giving drummers so much crap because they're the backbone. They keep the time. They could screw you up if they wanted to by hitting a cymbal mm -hmm. at a wrong time. You know, I've done it. So I've done it on purpose because the stinger pissed me off. It's do what I want, throw a stick up when they told me not to. Like, you don't get to do that. If we're, <laughs> if we're an equal partnership, you don't get to do that. No, but, I, the thing about this guy, though, the thing about Stuart Copeland is, uh, is I really do put him up there on the level, and I'm not trying to kiss his butt if he, if he hears this, but, but I really do put him up there on the level of Neil Peart, of just somebody who's not only an excellent drummer, uh, of course, the late Neil Peart, the drummer and lyricist and all-around badass genius from Rush, <sighs> I put Stuart up there on the level because... As you'll hear in the interview, he writes, he he does orchestrations, he does opera, he does film scoring. He does He's so a man much. of many traits. And right. And his brain just doesn't genius. stop. Right. He's a genius. He is what we would literally consider a genius, a genius talent. So I put him up there on the level of Neil Peart as one of the all-time greatest drummers in music history, uh, not just rock history. And he is a rock and roll hall of famer, by the way, and a six time yes. Grammy winner. So, yeah, I mean, his, his career just dates back more than 40 years and he's been putting music in movies for quite a while. So mm -hmm. very, very awesome conversation with him. And uh, there's really not a good way to intro it. Cause we just kind of, like we said, talked about just it. Started in, you two started cracking each other up with drummer jokes. So here it is, <laughs> our, our interview with Stuart Copeland. Now you're on your side. Uh, yeah, can can you flip us by chance? There you I go. Flip, I, I can flip me. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Perfect. And I can flip you the bird. Okay. <laughs> okay. You asked for that. I did. So, You're right. I did. Yeah, you insisted on that one. Uh, that's that drummer sense of humor. I was going to say drummer, drummer to drummer. <laughs> I love your studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh what gosh. are you, a guitarist or something? Drummer. Seriously. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. what do you throw a drowning guitarist? I don't know all the jokes. His amp. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you know what? They always make fun of us, don't they? Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're there to help them, and they just we're, make fun of us. We are there to carry them. Yes. Exactly. Every <laughs> I love that. Every foot down the highway, we carry those guys. And now right. <laughs> that I actually, one summer, because I can do that, um, played guitar and sang at the front of the stage, you know, like the front man guy. I can yeah. tell all the drummers of the world, we must unite and rise up 
against those those guys up there, you know, pretending that they're working, where the drummer is actually doing all the heavy lifting. You know, oh, yeah. they get paid just as much as yeah. us for standing right. there at the front of the stage, you know, looking handsome while we're doing the actual chopping wood at the back of the stage. <laughs> You are absolutely right about that. And one thing I can't stand is when venues or other band members tell you not to bring your full kit. Do you tell them not to bring their full guitar rig? Yeah, just bring one string. <laughs> right? Don't bring it. Don't bring it. It's too big. Well, there's actually, a reason you know, um, maybe I've just been real lucky in life, but nobody's ever taught me to bring the full kit. But one time I did strip the kit down and I, and, you know, name check alert. Uh, name drop alert. Uh, I got called by George Martin to play the Hollywood Bowl um, mm. to play all the Beatles songs with the L.A. Philharmonic. Um, you know, the orchestral versions of all those Beatles songs at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Yes, I'll be. Yes, sir. Sir Martin. Um, and so I had to be uh, Ringo Starr for a night. So I figure if I'm going to do Ringo Starr, I'm going to cut it down and do it the way Ringo did it. Uh, yeah. With one Tom Tom in the front, one on the side, couple of cymbals. And I discovered something, which is that it's really fun to play drums without all those drums in the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just everything's right there for the groove. Well, right. I, saw, I saw you at Pace University, oh gosh, about, oh my word, probably five, six years ago now. Um, we New actually, York? Yeah, New York yes. Yeah. We, oh, that uh, was fancy. Yes, we did an interview you and I for another show, I was at the radio station at the time, uh, and we talked about drums and, and your orchestral music. And I know that you close the night uh, with some police orchest orchestrations. How is this recording different uh, than what you do live or is it what you've been doing live just now finally recorded? Uh, one major difference. Um, it's not a recording, it's a live co a show. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're in Los Angeles, right? I, I'm in Bakersfield, actually. Uh, but your show broadcasts in Los Angeles? Oh, yes. We're, we're yeah, all it's, it's, all, it's all over. It's the internet. Oh, I see. It's, yeah, it's wide. It's not in any one city. No, but it's a show. <laughs> we're here today to discuss a show that I'm doing, which is um, the police deranged for orchestra. Yes. Where I've taken my film composing chops, my enforced education in using an orchestra, because that's what film composers do, exactly. uh, uh, and applied it, or rather misapplied it, to these police songs. And the reason they were deranged is because I had to use them, these songs, for my film that I made. And they didn't, they, you know, film music has to be very malleable. Sting was busy writing hits, but when I'm used, trying to use Roxanne is to score this movie, I have to cut it up a little bit. And as soon as I got the scalpel out, I discovered, and, and I got the multi-tracks of all these songs, I discovered lost vocal ideas, lost guitar lines, solos, and so on. And um, started as soon as I started digging, I started finding all this very cool stuff. And so that's where the, <clears throat> the derangements, and also they're orchestrated. So it's a big-ass orchestra with three soul sisters on the mic and uh, me blasting away, aggressing upon the drums. Uh, okay. Still got guitar and bass, but mainly it's about the orchestra. And since I've learned this orchestra stuff, I've figured out how to make the orchestra rock. You know, uh, if I can't bring the building down with 50 guys, 
you know, something's wrong with that. But the thing is, the orchestra <laughs> is not usually applied to that. Orchestras usually they're very they're dressed up. They're playing serious music, actual serious music, which is what right. they're for. But when they're playing not serious music, i.e. rock, they can rock. If you give them the right charts, they will burn down the building. Is well, Speaking of recording, is this something that will be recorded or maybe in the future a project? Very likely. Because it's going so well. I mean, we've done a couple of shows and it really does work. And there's another thing, which is that, of course, uh, my day job is writing new music. You know, um, I had an opera premiere in Germany this this year, and I've got another one opening in Italy next year. And so I write new music, you know, concerts and orchestral music of various different kinds. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is a different mission. It's songs that people know. And there's a power that comes from nostalgia. And I argue with Sting over there. And then we debate with Sting. He doesn't like <laughs> nostalgia. He doesn't like to look backwards. He likes to look forward. But as a musician on stage there's nothing more powerful than nostalgia when a song is known you know that song you grew up with that song it's a part of your life it has an emotional power that is you just you know when we used to go on tour our new album the new songs on the new album ah, people kind of clap politely but the songs from the last album they go nuts because they know it because they've right. had life experience associated with those songs and so this time I'm going out with songs that people know and love. And um, the it's quite amazing. Usually when I play on the bill with Stravinsky and Mahler and so on in that world of core classics, uh, you know, a really good night is a standing ovation. I'm very happy to get, you know, uh, that's a really great night. Okay, we play Roxanne, Message in a Bottle, Can't Stand Losing You. And the audience rushes the stage and they're all, you know, like this and they're singing all the songs. <laughs> the orcs are, you know, wow this is cool and they light <laughs> up too turns out not many of my rock and roll friends know this but they are actually i won't say our brother musician more like our cousin musicians yeah yeah i mean there's been a lot of orchestra orchestrations you know metallica really brought it to light uh, yeah yeah a couple or 20 something years ago now and uh, it's really kind of been uh, <laughs> embedded into rock, I think, ever since that. Yeah, it's really it exciting. Before. Yeah. Orchestra so when, and rock. Oh, absolutely. And when you put on this show, what are you hoping the audience takes from it? Freak out! <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like it. No, well, I'm hoping that they will also achieve some new insight as to the meaning of the universe, uh, atomic structure. Uh, quarks might even be more comprehensible to them after a night of, uh, um, you know, every little thing she does is magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it earlier, letting that orchestra really bring down the house, you know, burn it down. What is the process for you like to take a rock song and make it an orchestral piece? What goes into well, that? Well, for the vocals, there's no way to place, replace Stingo except with three soul sisters on the mic. You know, when we used mm -hmm. to do our shows and Sting would be singing his song and allegedly Andy and I are doing backing vocals. <laughs> the only time I would ever do or even pretend is if he, you know, he's, he's playing, he looks around, you know, over his left shoulder and, and I go, oh, yeah, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> but most of the time when he's busy singing facing frontward, I was just, you know, 
because I'm busy playing drums. I'm breathing hard. I'm working back here, okay? You, yeah. you do your own damn singing. But in this <laughs> show, I've got three beautiful soul sisters on the mic who do all the harmonies. They really deliver. It's like the chiffons or the ronettes or the, you know, the, 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 the Supremes. It's really, they, they, they really do nail it. And I've got on guitar, Rusty Anderson, who I borrowed from Paul McCartney and mm. who I used to play in a band with way back when. And the mighty Prince of Cameroon, Armand Sabaleko on bass, who with his African bass vibe is just perfect for these songs. I mean, he's played with Paul Simon, Peter Gabriel. You know, he is really an incredible ethnic bass player with a really super cool groove. Throw on that the big orchestra and in LA, the Recollective Orchestra, which is very different from the orchestra that I normally play with. Usually I play with Fine Arts Orchestra, the Cleveland Orchestra, which is their purpose is to play the great masterworks of music. And they let their hair down for me. They'll play the chart. They see the audience freaking out. They, they kind of get a kick out of it. But in LA, I've got the slickest, flinty-eyed musician players because LA cats can read anything. They get new charts every day. They can read batshit on the page. You know, he <laughs> sprinkles anything on the page and on the staff, they'll, they'll play it, you know. And right. so these guys are particularly slick. You know, they understand syncopation. They understand groove. And uh, it's, this is going to be a particularly cool show because every city I play with a different orchestra, which is something that I tell my rock and roll friends and they can hardly believe it. I show up in Cleveland or in San Diego or Pittsburgh or Liverpool. Uh, I meet the band for the first time, the Orcs, uh, at two o'clock in the afternoon. <clears throat> we get two and a half hour rehearsal, doors at seven. We play that, that night. That's what's amazing about uh, musicians. Even in Nashville, when I lived there, I visited a studio and I, I asked, I was so ignorant towards it or so green towards it. I said, how long did, did everybody rehearse? And they just looked at each other, started laughing. That's right. I had no well, the clue. First time they they run, had yeah. sheets. <laughs> Exactly. Well, how do you get a guitar player to turn the volume down? Put a sheet of music in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I how do you get the, the keyboard player to turn down? Take a sheet of music away. <laughs> yeah. So this show, it's uh, it's November 4th. It's in Northridge. Um, are tickets still available? Uh, yes, they are. Um, there are still tickets available. This tends to be kind of a walk-up crowd. Uh, which drives everybody mm. crazy, but uh, it'll 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 look great. It'll be a good show. And it's at the uh, is it the Soraya? Is that how you say it? The Soraya, yeah. It's, it Soraya. used to be called the Valley Performing Arts Center. Um, uh, it's a fantastic modern architectural masterpiece with a really great sound, but most importantly of all, excellent showers backstage. <laughs> it's right. It's uh, it's on the campus of CSUB, right? That's right. Yeah. I did yeah. another show uh, there with the with the orchestra out of um, Orange County, um, and I played. I, I think it was Ben Hur. I played there, where I have this huge 1920s black and white silent movie, um, mm -hmm. and I worked up an orchestral score, and, and that was the show that I did there. This is Police Tunes. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to live uh, when I first moved to California. I lived uh, about a mile from. From the campus there it looked beautiful so oh, it'll be a nice country. yeah be a nice little intimate uh performance with that and uh 
really, I think fans are going to really enjoy this um, because there's nothing quite like police music, but then it's orchestrated too. So it's really going to be unique for them if they've not experienced anything like this before, for sure. Yeah, well, it's interesting well, and, and fun. One thing I want to ask you, Stuart, uh, because having seen you live, I know how massive your drum rig is and how beautiful and gorgeous it is. To the extent that you're involved, what goes into traveling with something like that? Because, we, you know, you can throw a guitar in a guitar case and throw roadies. it in the back of a truck. But what goes into roadies? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, having been a roadie, I started out as a roadie. In fact, I'm, oh, really? wow. I'm a glorified roadie. I roadied for Wishbone Ash for Caravan uh, oh, and for Curved Air before I got the gig as a drummer in Curved Air. I was their roadie. Uh, actually, in that case, I was the tour manager. Uh, but I've paid mm -hmm. my dues. You know, you show me a back line and I'll get that stuff into the truck. Absolutely. And I mean, starting out, of course, Matt, you may not know this, but you're your own roadie. So you learn to uh, manage w with what you yeah. have. And if it's too much, you just don't take it. <laughs> And then the guitarist looks for you to heft the other end of his amp. Yeah, yeah. You ask to help with the drums or ask for help with the drums and they kind of blow you off and go do lead singer guitarist things, but they want help with their amp. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, you're yeah, always writing... the show, the drummer's breaking down his kit like that while the guitarist is already at the bar picking up the hot chicks. <laughs> yeah. That's that's just the way it goes because it takes us forever. But um, you, you mentioned the the new music. Are you um, perhaps recording anything that uh, we might hear soon? Uh, no, I'm mostly writing these days. I write music for other people to play, and uh, it's kind of uh, sort of rock unfriendly, except for this <laughs> place where I'm doing these live shows. That's very cool. But the work that I do by day is mostly kind of a conversation killer but i write opera you know mm. i was a film composer for 20 years and that's how i got my kids through school and college um but now i'm kind of retired from that business and i do the same job uh, but i get to be the boss of everything you know film you're mm -hmm. a craftsman working for the director in television it's all about the writer in opera the composer is boss of everything and so it's a, it's not like a huge industry it's art for art's sake um, but it's artistically very rewarding. And that singing style, okay, you have to drink the Kool-Aid on that. Uh, yeah. And one day, if you drink enough of that Kool-Aid, you start suddenly, I love that sound. But the use to which, I, what it is, is um, it's a tool. It's a bunch of resources. An opera company has a theater. It has these incredibly highly trained singers. It has an orchestra in the pit. It has all these, this infrastructure for creating a show on stage. And it doesn't have to be Verdi or Puccini uh, or Wagner. I love all that stuff too, because I'm kind of an opera fan, but mm -hmm. I don't expect modern audiences to be fans of opera style. And I'm not here to reproduce what's there before. I bring my sensibilities to that theater, those singers, that infrastructure. And I use those things to make opera that is not like what you've heard before. But those tools, those resources are really a lot of fun to play with. You get to tell a story with music. And yeah. music is the central thing that brings it all together. That is a lot of fun. That is a great way to spend a day. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask a question, and, and let me explain it. But 
how does your brain work? I mean, I, know I some... do not. I'm not sure that it does. <laughs> <laughs> because I know so many artists who they're in their genre and that's it. You have done so much in so many different from rock to orchestrations to film to now opera, which I don't even think I knew from when we talked last time. How do you get into those different headspaces or is it all one thing for you? And I can load a truck. <laughs> yep, it's true. You know, the brain is an amazing thing. Uh, and it's a muscle. If you work it, it, it can do more. And uh, I'm very lucky, very blessed. I, I, I appreciate that some people are not given this gift. They get different gifts. And they, you know, but I happen to have gotten a couple of gifts. The, the drumming thing, I, don't, I work just as hard as other people. Other people work just as hard as me somehow I come up with something that that other guy didn't think, well, I don't know. I'm just really lucky and very grateful. Then there's this composing thing, which is an almost unrelated gift. Um, I've got a flood of music going through my head. I know great musicians who are incredible players, but they don't compose. They, they, they play other people's music or they, you know, it's just, they have, and I've got this, but I've got this river. That doesn't mean to say it's any good. Or anyone else will like it. You know, if you're Paul McCartney, that river produces stuff that everybody likes. If you're Frank Zappa, that music comes out in a smaller slope, you know, a smaller demographic gets it. And every musician or composer, hopefully they have enough of a demographic of people who get what they do that they can earn a living. And I feel very grateful that I'm in, in that position. And, and I know this is kind of a wide question because songs come in, you know, different shapes, forms and take a long time. But do the operas take quite uh, a long time to produce and put together? Well, there's different stages. First, there's the story, getting the story right. And I work with a librettist, which is a fancy name for lyric writer. Um, and we figure out the story. We beat it up. The, the one that opened in Germany this year at the Deutsche National Theater, very <laughs> high class, uh, was about Nikola Tesla. And we had to find some aspect of his life, some moment in his life. It was a story in itself. We didn't want to do his whole life. Uh, I was born. Um, and so there's the story. Then the librettist starts writing words. And it's a very particular kind of words. It's dialogue, but dialogue that rhymes and has rhythm. And it's a very rarefied art. And I get in there and I, I throw in lines and we carve it up between the two of us. But he does the heavy lifting. Then once I've got the libretto, then I start writing music. Then I've got it, and I do. I, I lay down a rhythm, uh, the the rhythm of the words. You know, the rhythm of the words. The da 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 da. The da 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 da. You know, the, the mm -hmm. language has a rhythm which suggests a melody, and I take it from there. Very, you know, I do first pass real quick, just the basic, the rhythm, the tempo. The next, then I start to melodize it a little bit, and I'm now in next year's opera, which is about witches, um, the witches' Ooh. seed. Um, which has a couple, you know, uh, Chrissy Hind wrote me a couple songs for it. Um, that yes. I'm just finishing that. I'm in the orchestration phase, which is actually takes the, the longest. It takes me about a year. And the orchestration, which is okay, I got the tunes, I got the lyrics, everything. Okay, now how shall I create these textures around this story and these words? Very engrossing. Yeah, that's amazing because I, I can't imagine doing that myself. <laughs> it's easier than you think. Really? Uh, with techno I don't know how Mozart did it because he had to plan his page and he had to, he did it in ink. We, you know, I've got yeah. the blessing of undo. 
I can follow an idea. I can create it and later for that undo. And I can put it on the page. I use a computer. There's an application which does a lot of the, the, you know, you can map it out. You can do all kinds of things. Those guys in olden times, well, I guess it's because that's all they did every day from the age of three. They had those chops. But a lot of that, you know, there's there's technology so that you really, if you have a musical idea in your head, there's technology, you know, garage band. And that's mm-hmm. a great democratization of music these days. Uh, the laptop, you don't have to go off to music school for years. Any kid can pick up a laptop, get some cool samples. If they have something to say, music is right there for them and they can get it released themselves. It's a very democratic world these days. The threshold is way down. Entry level is real easy these days, which is good because the talent pool is huge. Bad news, competition is fierce. All right. That's that's good for the folks listening. Not, you know, but it's tough for young musicians busting through all the noise. No, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, anything else, Matt, that you had? Uh... I'm, I mean, I could talk to Stuart all day. I mean, he's just an absolute genius. I I hope you come east to the D.C. area with, with that this where you concert. Are? Yes, I'm, I'm out in D.C. He's a buddy over there in Bakersfield, and we do these yeah. over Zoom, and, and uh, we well, get I, to when as many I get shows that as we gig, can. When I get that gig at the Kennedy Center, I'll let you know. Please do. Please do. Stuart <laughs> and, and by the way, by the way, how's the Bakersfield Philharmonic? Uh, I've never, never been there. Never seen it. I, I don't, don't think it exists. It may not. <laughs> you might have just stumped me there. Drummer might have stumped another drummer there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just had to ask that question. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, something tells me that there was one, but I, you know, I, I really don't know. Because Bakersfield is such a music city on its own, you'd think. So, guess we got to Google that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, actually, I'm, I'm you're googling, googling. even as we speak. You're googling Bakersfield Symphony Orchestra. There is one. Absolutely, I will be there. Let's rock Bakersfield. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Stuart, it's been an pl- absolute pleasure and glad that we got to chat with you. Anything else that you wanted to throw out there before we wrap this? Uh, I think you got the general idea. Forgive me for using my phone. I'm trying to find, trying to find real quick before we wrap this. It has to, I know I used it as a profile photo. You might not be able to see it. Um, one second. Trying to find the photo from when you were at pace i'm oh yeah with off the score yeah here it is with off the score yep here it is there you Uh, go what do you know there we were there we were that was yep uh, five years ago almost five years ago so you haven't aged today (laughs) neither have you sir well neither of you uh are you real, real quick it just came to mind since you guys met are you doing any meet and greets at this point uh some of the shows they do, uh, hopefully outdoors. Yeah. 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 All right. Stuart awesome. Copeland, a true pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Sure thing, guys. Take care now. You, uh, too. you too. Bye-bye. So if you're in the Northridge, California area, and for those who aren't familiar with the area, it is in the San Fernando Valley of the Los Angeles area. It's probably 20, 30 minutes tops from Hollywood, depending on traffic of course it is thursday november 4th it's at the uh, soraya and you heard me mispronounce that earlier in northridge it's at the um, 
it's at like Cal State. So they've got a really nice university there. And um, just, you know, like you said, it's walk up. You could still get uh, tickets through their website. Uh, go check that out. You get to hear orchestrated versions of police songs with one of the writers, the drummer to the police on drums for this. So about 50 people on stage, roughly, when you give or take a little 28 piece orchestra, the the Grammy winner, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this. It's Shashila Alara, I guess, will be uh, conducting it and um, also a Latin Grammy winner there. So 28 piece orchestra. Then you have Stuart and you have the other um, guitarist, the bassist and three singers as well. So a very interesting show. And uh, perhaps uh, sounds like you might be interested in uh, touring it. Absolutely. Well, for the Music Universe podcast, I'm Matt. And I'm Buddy. Thanks for listening and watching. Hit that subscribe button and check us out. TheMusicUniverse.com. Music